This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health, a new, fully integrated biopharmaceutical solutions organization that's the result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health. Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com podcast. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is August 8th, it's Wednesday, and we're talking healthcare. I'm your host, Christine Hartis, and I'm joined by Fool.com contributor Todd Campbell via Skype. Interesting news on the partnership front from Bluebird Bio and Regeneron. The companies are collaborating on half a dozen targets in blood cancer, combining Bluebird's approach to T-cell modification with Regeneron's VelociSuite technologies. Todd, what's the scoop? Not quite the deal people were hoping for, though, probably, Christine, right? Yeah, maybe. I still think it's exciting, but... It it is, it is. There's actually a few different takeaways that I have, but I think that, you know, and we'll get to the the nitty-gritty and why I think that I seem a little sanguine about it, but um, I think that a lot of people have been thinking since Juno was acquired by Celgene for such a big amount earlier in the year, and Kite got acquired by Gilead Sciences, and Bluebird's working on gene therapies too, that maybe a an entire lock, stock, and barrel deal could get done. And I, I think that, and, and again, we're going to get into the details in a minute, I think that this maybe you know, suggests that's not going to happen anytime soon. There were three big takeaways that I had about this uh, news, this new collaboration between Regeneron and Bluebird Bio. One was the fact that Regeneron was the one that approached Bluebird Bio about the deal. The next was the fact that the deal doesn't include Regeneron giving Bluebird Bio any you know, cash per se up front. Instead, it's a deal for equity in Bluebird Bio. And then the third takeaway that I have or thing that I found intriguing about this deal was the fact that, you know, leveraging the t- experience that these two different companies have, I think what that might, the, the angle here might be to dive deeper into the tumor microenvironment. And what I mean by that is, move beyond these cell therapies that are targeting blood cancers to tougher to treat, tougher to penetrate um, solid tumor cancers. So let's take those one by one. The first one you said is that it's interesting that Regeneron approached Bluebird. To me, that kind of makes sense because Regeneron is a much bigger company. It's a $42 billion market cap company, whereas Bluebird Bio is right around an $8, million, uh, sorry, $8 billion market cap company. Um, so what makes that interesting to you? What makes it interesting to me is it suggests that Regeneron feels that they have kind of a gap in their knowledge. You know, maybe maybe they need to have a little bit more. They've been working, doing their own work. They have a number of different drugs already on the market. Like you said, a much larger company. And they have aspirations to become a much larger cancer drug company. It appears to me from this deal that Regeneron um, feels like they don't maybe have all of the tools that they need in-house. And, you know, that is intriguing because they have said in the past that they, you know, they're working on some really interesting things, especially with uh, uh, T cell receptor um, approaches and stuff in preclinic and everything. So that was one thing that was interesting. The other thing that was interesting to me is that maybe it suggested that Regeneron, especially since it's an equity deal, Christine, maybe Regeneron was more interested in the broader company. And then when Bluebird Bio said, nah, they said, well, how can we work together and maybe still get our get some skin in the game? 
Yeah, that's fair. And that kind of leads right into the second point that you brought up, which is that this deal does include an equity investment. And it's interesting to me that they so they're making a $100 million investment. Regeneron is making that investment in Bluebird, and it comes at a supposed price of $238 per share, which is a 59% premium over the last close price from Bluebird stock. But to me, that doesn't really mean much. Like this is almost reminiscent to me of the Celgene Juno uh, initial equity funding deal, where yeah, there's an exchange that's going on where Regeneron will receive this equity stake in Bluebird, and Bluebird will receive the cash. But there's also so many other moving parts to this deal that, to me, that $37 million premium is essentially a cash payment. Where, sure, Regeneron, if it was a normal investor, you know, you and me, Todd, could have gone onto the market and purchased Bluebird's shares a lot cheaper. But then they wouldn't have all these other benefits of partnership. So, given that they're doing it within a deal structure, they're getting so much more out of it. And that's really what they're paying that premium for. So, that almost is like a cash payment. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's two different ways of looking at that, right? There's a way of looking at it saying that, oh, it's the cash, which it is, it is, right? Because it's a 37 million premium that, and Bluebird Bio has already said that they plan on applying that 37 million to their share of costs associated with a preclinical R&D that these two companies will be working on. Um, but in theory, Regeneron could have said, yeah, we'll give you 40 million in cash up front. We don't want any equity at all. Um, so it's obvious that they did want to have a stake. Uh, and maybe that may, there could also, and you know, this is I don't have the answer to this because I'm not a corporate CPA. But the fact that companies now have to report the quarterly gains and losses from their equity investments um, as part of their you know operating performance, um, I wonder if that somehow comes into play in the way that this deal was structured with the premium and everything too. I I just don't know the answer to that. But I think that the takeaway is that you're right. They get 37 million in cash, Bluebird Bio, that they can now you know use and treat like a cash payment. Um, and Regeneron walks away not only with the equity, but again this opportunity to develop, you know, potentially develop six different um, therapies for six different indications. Yep. And you mentioned that the third point you found interesting was that they could potentially be using this uh, this combined knowledge to dive deeper into the tumor microenvironment. And so, yeah, they have these half dozen targets that are in hematology, but it does seem like eventually the work could come to be part of solid tumor therapy as well. Yeah. I mean, you look at what Bluebird brings to the table. They've got a lot of experience in dealing with lentil, lenti, lentivirus viral vectors. Um, again, we've talked in the show about gene therapy in the past and how these viral vectors are used to um, deliver changes to genes to help address some of these mutations that maybe result in the disease itself. Uh, we've seen already some chimeric antigen receptor uh, CAR T therapies that have made it to market um, that you know tinker with or, or uh, uh, the T cell. Uh, to be able to allow them to go out and bind to proteins that are expressed on cancer cells so they can be destroyed it. Bluebird is also working on a similar type approach where they've got a CAR-T BB2121, which they're developing in conjunction with cell gene for multiple myeloma, so they have some experience there. Um, Regeneron has a lot of experience in uh, antibody research um, that they can bring to the table. Um, they've also got some experience in working on T cell receptors and T cell receptors are on T cells and they're what binds to 
antibodies to be able to, to trigger an immune system response. So again, you're looking at all of these, these uh, I guess, pieces of experience or knowledge that they're combining together and you know, trying to connect some dots on how this would differentiate them from, say, a collaboration like you know, Gilead and Kite and Celgene and Juno. And perhaps that's the differentiation is that they can leverage this experience to penetrate the softball, if you will, of a solid tumor cancer, which has really been um, a struggle for researchers because, you know, it's a very complex environment. It's kind of like unwinding all of the threads around the core of that softball to try and get to it and destroy the cancers. That's not easy. Yeah. So looking at all the nitty gritty of this deal, it seems to me like both companies are getting a pretty good deal. Uh, this is, for Bluebird, a, a move further into oncology. It gives it another high-profile partner. Um, Regeneron, meanwhile, will be able to also expand its efforts into cancer, which is something that Wall Street is watching. You know, it's a, a very high-interest area. So, Do you think one of these companies is getting a better deal than the other? No, I, I think it's pretty pretty well balanced. I mean, I'm, th I'm looking at Regeneron and, I'm, you know, they got six drugs already in the market. They could have a seventh drug, which would be a PD-1 drug. And you and I have talked about PD-1 drugs on the show before. It's an immunocology drug um, that could get approved for use in people with um, small cell cancer. And, and that could be pretty exciting move for them into immunocology. Uh, this certainly does better round out their portfolio in oncology, theoretically, uh, the way that the deal is structured is that the two will share costs in the preclinical stage. And then once they get to the point where they, they have an aha moment and they can bring a drug to, into, the, into human trials, then Regeneron gets the option to opt in on future development of that, of that preclinical asset. And if it does opt in, then it will share in all of the costs of developing that. And eventually, if it's commercialized, share in the profit, right? Um, if they choose not to opt into it, Regeneron can still end up collecting milestone payments and royalties from Bluebird Bio. So if they walk away from the deal later on, they can still profit from it. So I think this is a good deal for both of them. Um, and it, maybe it signs that there's a, a closer collaboration in the past. Regeneron you know, does have some pretty good success uh, with these collaborations. I mean, you and I have talked in the past on the show about um, some of the work that they've done with Sanofi in developing some of these drugs for various indications, including their new eczema drug, which is selling at over 200 million clip per quarter now. They have a new rheumatoid arthritis drug. They have a, a cholesterol-busting drug that they developed with Sanofi. So, I mean, there's reason for optimism on both sides. Sounds good. We'll be right back after a quick message from our sponsor. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health. Bringing a new drug to market is getting tougher and tougher. At Cineos Health, they're changing the game. As a result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, they have created a unique business model that allows clinical and commercial disciplines to work together, eliminating traditional process obstacles and delivering something they call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Helping their customers accelerate the delivery of important therapies to patients, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com podcast. Back in March, Cigna announced that it would be acquiring pharmacy benefit manager Express Scripts in a $52 billion deal, which was a $67 billion purchase price, including the assumption of $15 billion worth of Express Scripts debt. 
this massive vertical integration is part of a move towards consolidation in the broader healthcare industry. But it appears that not everyone is convinced it's a good idea. Just today, activist investor and billionaire Carl Icahn released an open letter to shareholders of Cigna objecting to the acquisition and urging shareholders to vote against it. Yeah, I think Wall Street Journal was the first to break the news um, that Icon was taking a stake in Cigna with um, the intent of, of objecting to the proposed acquisition. Uh, there were some rumors yesterday that he was penning an open letter to investors explaining why he thinks that this is a bad deal for Cigna shareholders. And sure enough, this morning, uh, right before we went on the air uh, to film the podcast, uh, the letter came out and, you know, it, it goes and it's pretty scathing in parts, right, Christine? I mean, it basically says, it says, it walks through Icon's thinking of why this is a bad deal, saying that Cigna should be watched worth way more than it is now and that Express Script is worth way less than it was in March when this deal was cut. And essentially what, what Icon's trying to do is convince people to vote against the merger because he, you know, you read between the lines. He's suggesting that perhaps there's a little buyer's remorse on Cigna's part because the marketplace has changed pretty considerably over the course of the last six or nine months, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second, Christine. Right? Um, you know, so so essentially, what he's saying is, if we vote this down, then Cigna won't have to pay a breakup fee. But if regulators or the board walks away from this deal, then Cigna would have to pay a breakup fee. So that's why he's lobbying for the vote against rather than just say, walk away. Yep, exactly. And there are a couple of key reasons that he points out that Express Scripts is not a company that Cigna should be buying. And so one of them is that the government has directly challenged the rebate system that Express Scripts' entire business model relies on. And this is a growing trend within the regulatory environment. And we have high-profile individuals making statements left and right that this rebate model might be completely eliminated. And so couple that with the second threat that ICANN highlights, which is the threat of Amazon coming in and disrupting uh, this part of the healthcare system. And ICANN makes the argument that Express Scripts might not even be around for very much longer. Well, certainly not in its current business model, right? I think that you know it might be helpful for our listeners of the show who who have, haven't heard our previous takes on PBMs just to understand a little bit more about what Express Script does. It's a pharmacy benefit manager, and it sits in the middle between the drug uh, makers and the payers of these drugs. And essentially, what the pharmacy benefit manager does is it tries to leverage a bunch of different payers' buying power to negotiate better prices with the drug maker, and then passes on those savings to the payer, theoretically, taking a small piece for itself. And I suppose you could make the argument that that small piece is somewhere between 5 and 8%, because if you look at Express Scripts' trailing 12-month gross margin, it's about 8%. And if you look at its trailing 12-month operating margin, it's about 5%. As you've said, you know, with all the pushback on drug pricing and trying to rein in all the healthcare spending that we do here in the United States, um, the idea here is what happens if we can eliminate these middlemen and that 5%, if you will, um, would that then flow all the way back to the consumer? You know, and the theory is that there's some sort of pervasive um, price game that's going on now where 
because of the existence of these rebates, which get paid from the drug maker to reimburse the pharmacy benefit manager for making cutting a good deal, they're based on list prices. And the idea is that the list price is being artificially inflated to make the rebate look better so that the uh, pharmacy benefit manager can pocket more dollars in, in, in profit. So do you think that the critiques that are laid out in this letter have merit? Yes and no. I think there's a lot of question marks now. You know, Amazon buying pill pack recently certainly shows that they are very interested in distributing drugs to, directly to consumers. No idea yet on how they're going to be buying those drugs right now. Um, pill, pill, uh, they, they have a deal with Express Scripts, actually, um, as one of their pharmacy benefit managers. So it, it's we're not sure how Amazon is going to go out and change the system and if they will negotiate directly with drug makers or not, or if they'll use the existing system. So I'm not sure necessarily if that argument, how much that argument fits in. I mean, maybe it's looking forward, certainly you could see that. You could see Amazon being just a Goliath and saying, you know what, we don't need you, PBM. We're going to go out and we're just going to negotiate directly with companies like Celgene and we're going to be able to get the best price because we have 100 million people that are in prime. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, there's also some concern from Icon in his letter that they're not going to be able to, you know, get all of the uh, uh, the profit um, that they have promised to investors from this deal. All those wonderful synergies that we always talk about when we talk about deals. Um, you know that if you if if the rebate system goes away, and that's typically a higher margin business than just say a fee business where a PBM would say, "Pay me a lump of cash, and I'll negotiate the best deal for you." The rebates are more lucrative, right? If that business goes away, then how much is Express Scripts really worth? And Icon's back of the napkin math, he came out with a price of fifty-eight for Express Scripts. Now that's significantly lower than where we are today in the high seventies. His math also in his letter alludes to the idea that, you know, well, it doesn't allude to it, it says it, says that he thinks that Cigna could eventually be worth $250 per share if this deal gets voted down. And of course, that's a substantial premium to where Cigna is trading today. But investors should realize, you know, he has positions and he discloses them. He is long Cigna and he is short Express Scripts. So he is talking his book. I mean, he has been good rationale for talking his book, but he is talking his book. Exactly. I'm so glad that you made that point. That's exactly what I wanted to get to, which is that he, his incentives are aligned here, where he will do better if Cigna stock does well and Express Script stock does poorly. And regardless of whether it's best for the healthcare system or you know any other altruistic arguments that you want to make here, this isn't really about business efficiencies. This is about whether or not he's going to make money. And he's betting against Express Scripts. So if their stock does poorly, he does well. And what he would like for Cigna to do is instead use that cash to repurchase shares, boosting the stock price. And he even quotes something to the effect of it, it being a a, a short-term return to that $250 or hitting that $250 level. So, th- I, as the long-term investor here, I don't I don't love this. I, d- I don't think that this is a super strong business argument. That's not to say that he's wrong, but that is to say that what screams out to me here is that he's looking to make a quick buck. Yeah, I mean, and the argument would be long-term, right? The long-term change 
in the industry could be that PBMs have to go to a fee-based system that's less lucrative or that their business model disappears because of an Amazon or whatever. I'm not entirely sure, to your point previously, like what is best for the healthcare system, I'm not entirely convinced that if you get rid of PBMs, drug makers aren't gonna end up pocketing more money. And the reason for that is that, I mean, okay, so let's look back for a second um, to Pfizer. And, you know, people who pay attention to healthcare are probably aware that Pfizer had plans to raise drug prices uh, last month on a few different drugs. And that drew the ire of Donald Trump, who came out and tweeted and said, hey, I don't want you doing that. A conversation was had between uh, the CEO of Pfizer and Donald Trump, after which Pfizer said, nope, we're not going to raise those prices for the rest of the year. We're going to stay where we are. And then he said, on the rebates, I do believe that the intention of the administration is to remove the safe harbor for rebates. Today, I would believe we're going to the marketplace where we don't have rebates. I don't know the speed of that, but I do believe the administration. Now, that's kind of a, uh, what I find interesting about that is that it's not like they're coming out and even alluding between the lines that they, they disagree with the idea of getting rid of rebates. And, and uh, you know, as the CEO of the company, he's talking his own book, too. It could very well be that if you break up in a business model like Express Scripts, right, 80 million patients, and now people have to negotiate on their own, will they be able to get a list price that net, 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 after, you know, that would match what they get now on, the re on a post-rebate? I, I don't know. It could very well be that drug makers reduce their list prices, but the list prices still ends up being a little bit higher than whatever the net would have been after rebates to the payers. If that's the case, then it could have caused a problem for say like Medicaid systems, wherein PBMs oftentimes pass 100% of the rebate through to those, those payers. And perhaps it is that uncertainty that ultimately solidifies this argument that Cigna should not buy Express Scripts because we just don't know at this point what the future of rebates looks like, what the future for PBMs looks like. And if you add in some context that this uh, comes a little over a year uh, after a judge blocked the proposed $48 billion merger of Cigna and Anthem, it almost seems like Cigna buying Express Scripts is a little bit desperate to do a big deal at mm. any price. Yeah, kind of like this Me Too thing, especially, you know, you get CVS, too, combining with a major insurer as well. And maybe they're looking at it and saying, we need scale. We need scale. The idea of being able to say, well, we'll acquire Express Scripts because that eliminates us having to pay the middleman. We can pocket any rebates to other uh, payers that happen to use the Express Scripts model that could change now we don't know um there's also some concerns that icon expressed about you know will payers that are not that are cigna competitors continue to use express scripts after this deal is done why would you support a business that's owned by one of your competitors and i think that there's reason to want to debate that as well also uh express script is going to lose a very large customer, has a chance of losing a very large customer as soon as 2020 that accounts for, I want to say, 30% of its business. So there's, there's a lot of question marks that make me think that, yeah, maybe this deal is kind of one of those things that was, you know, okay, let's sign it, let's get this done. Then the market changes pretty rapidly and you're like, oh, I don't know, is this really the best deal that we want to make? I don't know. 
Yeah, for sure. So Cigna and Express Scripts shareholders are set to vote on the deal on August 24th. A majority of the shares outstanding of both companies need to vote for the deal in order for it to close. As you mentioned earlier, uh, if the shareholders vote it down, then that fee, that breakup fee of $1.6 billion is negated, um, as opposed to if the board itself of Cigna decided to cancel the deal. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not this letter is able to attract enough attention and sway the votes of enough Cigna shareholders for them to vote it down. Yeah, we don't even know, Christine, whether or not regulators will sign off on this deal. They haven't weighed in yet, I don't think. Yeah, that's fair. So, I mean, yeah, there's that anim- there's that animal to consider as well. And, and if the breakup was caused by regulators balking at it, then Cigna's on the hook for $2.1 billion instead of $1.6 billion. So, you know, that, I, I could see that being weighing, you know, into the into the calculus of this deal as well. I, I, I really don't know where we go from here. But, um, you know, part of me is thinking that, you know, Cigna is going to continue to trade up at least until the vote. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable prediction. All right, folks, that is all the news that's fit to print or record, as the case may be. Thanks for tuning in. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Today's show was produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Christine Harges. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! These days, bringing a new drug to life is getting tougher and tougher. It can take billions of dollars and a decade or more to bring an experimental drug from molecule to market. And only one in five marketed drugs ever achieve revenues that match or exceed R&D costs. At Cineos Health, we're working to improve the odds. The result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, Cineos Health is the only company purpose-built to create what we call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Our unique business model allows the clinical and commercial disciplines to work together from the start, sharing critical data, insights, and knowledge. The Cineos Health approach creates success by eliminating traditional obstacles and smoothing the process at every step along the way, from clinical trials to FDA approval, branding and marketing to patient adherence. Every day, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit SineosHealth.com slash podcast.